This is Ravel, a roundtable show about the complexity of faith in the age of information. My name's Josh. I'm Steven. And I'm Emily. We each grew up in different parts of American Christianity, and we still keep thinking about how to take it seriously, even as we leave some beliefs behind. We think theology should be an exploratory dialogue, so our hope is that the show will encourage growth, both for individuals and communities. We don't have all the answers, but we're here to sort out as much as we can over a drink or two. Join us as we ravel out our faith in a complex world, pulling on one thread at a time, seeking meaning at the end of it all. Thanks for listening. So uh, I'm drinking a lovely drink this week. It's a pumpkin ale by Elysian Brewing Company here in Seattle. And I've got to say, I'm a white girl sometimes for like seasonal things, but (laughs) this is really, really good. Like this is not a bad cliche beer. It's like Mm. really tasty. I can dig that. What are you guys drinking? I don't I don't know if I like the dig at white girl there, but <laughs> Well, no, I can like admit I'm basic. Steven, you're not a white girl, so it's fine. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah. How does that make you feel? I'm like... <laughs> I'm, that's pretty oh, on so point. Sorry, that's pretty on okay. point. I'm I am Fair that enough. person as soon as it's October first, I'm cranking out the oh. pumpkin spice. Yeah. Okay. Guilty uh-huh. as charged. So, yeah. So what are you drinking today? Uh, not pumpkin spice. I'm drinking your good old oh. British blend. Hot though today because it's snowing. Um, where I'm at, oh so God. I'm bundled up so with much. my hot tea. Delicious, excellent. And one of my fantastic, lovely friends that lives in Seattle sent me two boxes of Storyville K cups when oh. I went into quarantine. My friend Josh, Josh, thank you so much for this coffee. Oh. It's flipping. It's so good. It's so good. It's a true gift for you're welcome. COVID quarantine. Yeah, my wife and I were in contact with a with someone who tested positive. Mm. So we had to lock down for 14 whole days. Oh, uh, we both tested negative. Good. Um, praise the Lord, especially considering we live with Dixie's 87 year old grandmother. Mm. So uh, yeah, uh, you guys are almost done with the quarantine though, right? Oh yeah, it ends t- tonight. Oh good. Hey, well, there good. you, you go. Have plenty of coffee to get you through. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, most definitely, and it is a lot better than the Starbucks stuff I have been drinking, but we'll be going back to that once this is out. That'll be sad. Anything's better than Starbucks. <laughs> I'm so glad. <laughs> I could, I, okay. This isn't the episode for it, but I could, I could defend Starbucks. I, okay. I could defend oh, I could Starbucks too. and McDonald's really hard if you wanted oh, me to. Oh, me too. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I could. Okay. Teaser. Teaser. We'll bring that later. <laughs> yeah. Okay. On today's episode, we're talking a theology of Starbucks and fast food. What are your thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about mega corporation food distribution? Hey. That's <laughs> but you're right. Something. This is not that episode. No. <laughs> um, but we are going to talk about something that I've been wanting to talk about for a couple weeks, probably. Steven, I don't want to single you out too much, but I will for a hot second. But I promise I will not single you out the whole time. Uh-oh. Do I need to go like pop some popcorn and be prepared no, for this? I, no, uh, okay. no, I want you here. Okay. I want you to mediate. I want you to be the peacekeeper. I'm not going to yell at you, Stephen. Oh, I I'm promise. a nine, so that's perfect. But, <laughs> exactly. Well, actually, I'm glad you brought that up, Emily, because I am also a nine, and we haven't talked about this yet on the show. Mm, okay. And I think this is the conversation to do it. So I'd love to hear what you think about my advice for Stephen. <gasps> Stephen, I'm only giving you this advice because. A, we've talked about our show and like wanting it to not be an echo chamber and wanting it to be more exploratory than it is conclusive and stuff like that. And so two, I only want to bring this up because this is equally a criticism for myself as it is for you. So I want to give you that at first. Okay. Steven, I would challenge you to not mistake agreeableness for agreement. Mm. Oh, this is not what I was expecting. Oh, was it not? (laughs) I told you it wasn't going to be bad. (laughs) Okay. Because here's where I'm coming from. I think that I am an empathetic, active listener, and I tend to be very agreeable, and especially as someone who likes to have disagreeable conversations. even, mm. even if I think I have a pretty hard stance, I still try to be really empathetic and really hear someone out. But I've noticed about myself that it's really difficult for me to offer an opinion if I'm not directly asked. And 
I I kind of I'm kind of curious Whoa. if Emily has okay a problem like this too because you're also a nine because I see like my Enneagram nine ness as really as really giving insight into why this happens for me and I'm kind mm-hmm. of curious if you kind of know what I'm talking about Emily oh definitely and well especially as a pastor because there are times where I may want to interject an opinion or feedback but if I'm not asked then i i just kind of sit back but it is really hard for me to to not want to interject um i have found that my my active listening is definitely important especially as a pastor um but even besides that i would have to agree with josh a little bit could you maybe share maybe not like a specific episode but like are there like moments where you found yourself this was like shining through for you where you had noticed for yourself or for Steven where you're like hmm yeah I'm I'm realizing that this is something that I need to work on because if this is something that you've been wanting to talk about oh, yeah. for a couple weeks like it would be good for maybe for us to get a sense of where or how it came about well I think I first noticed it in how we would name drop some people a couple times for instance like Steven and I listen to a lot of the same podcasts and we've read a lot of the same books. And so I think for us, it's really easy to like name drop someone that we like know the other person is going to get the reference of, which I can fall into that same trap as well. So I don't want to like point the finger at you, Stephen. Sure. But I think even despite that like common agreement, because I think that's good to remember too, that I think we agree more than we disagree Mm -hmm. also. So like we're already starting with this like basis of common ground. Mm -hmm. But I think that it's really easy to assume that just because someone has been consuming the same media you have, that you are coming to the same conclusions about it together. Mm, yeah, that's a fair point. I remember there was a couple oh. moments in our heretic episode, or maybe it was the elephant in the room episode too, where we were like throwing out some concepts that I I know about, but I don't necessarily like accept as a package deal ethics kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I can't think of like a specific um right uh, vantage point so forgive me steven that i'm not like bringing up a specific instance i think that still um, helps because maybe that would be more helpful i think that still helps set the tone though for what you're wanting to address and steven Steven, what are your thoughts curious yeah what do you think since we're already talking about the enneagram a little bit um you're an enneagram one you've mentioned that before what do you see as a primary motivation as a part of your oneness in terms of like having conversations and maybe even about like thinking. Wow. Uh, huge question. First of all, thank you for this. <laughs> this is a gift. Josh loves just throwing those little tiny bomb questions at you. <laughs> <laughs> because what I don't want from this too is like, I know that ones can be really self-critical and self-judgmental. And that's not what I would want you to take out of this. Oh, okay. Like, I don't think that you're like, like, I want us to come at this from a growth standpoint and like we can be better together conversationally and challenge each other and not like Steven's bad. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So the Enneagram has been kind of a formative tool for myself and especially for my wife as well. Mm. When we, when we started learning about the system and figured out where the shortcomings were especially in our marriage. Um, she's an, she identifies as an eight. So a one eight pairing is powerful in the way that <laughs> she doesn't care what anybody thinks about her, but I do, but we both will present with the same kind of energy when we're trying to get stuff done. Mm-hmm. So Interesting. that, that has been exciting, frankly, to learn, mm. um, to learn about myself. Uh, I think, I'm not so I'm just going to be just like spewing a lot of Enneagram lingo here right now. Uh, If people are curious to dig into it, the road back to you by Ian Cron and Suzanne Stabile is a good Mm -hmm. Kickstarter book. Another one is the sacred Enneagram by Christopher Hewitt's. And then I have the complete Enneagram on my list to read next. Um, And then there's a Richard Rohr one as well. But uh also, if someone doesn't want to buy a book, there's this really good app that I know about called the Any App. Oh, yeah. It's that's on an really iPhone. Good one. And I think it's on mm-hmm. Android too. And sure. I've really appreciated that one. And it's free. 
There's also the Typology podcast that Ian Cron hosts. Uh, Suzanne Stabile hosts one called The Enneagram Journey. There's there's a ton of resources out there. Uh, so just to lay that out there, because I'm going to start using a lot of language here. I'm not... I, for a while, thought I was three um, because I do feel this need to be affirmed and liked by people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's... I feel like the motivation is a lot more more inward and essentially like if I can get other people to affirm my goodness or affirm my rightness, mm. then it helps me confirm to myself that my inner my wildly loud and withering inner critic is incorrect. Mm. So if I get mm-hmm. Josh and Emily mm. to like me, I get external confirmation that what that all the self doubt I feel inside is actually wrong and I get to distrust that. Mm. But when, so <laughs> when I get criticism, uh, Christopher Hewitt, he talks about how if you're going to offer a one, any bit of feedback, you can bet that they've already right criticized themselves about it. So this is really fun though, Josh, because it was like, it was two weeks ago and it was after the elephant episode. So I'm curious if there was something specific in that episode that brought it up, but you mentioned in our Marco Polo private group, just amongst us three hosts, you mentioned, hey, I'm going to challenge Steven on an episode. And no joke, for two and a half weeks now, oh. I, have, I have made a bulleted list of all the things oh, no. I could probably be doing better. Because, oh, no. I'm <laughs> because, so sorry, my friend. <laughs> because my mind just spiraled into the darkness oh. and was like, oh my gosh, Josh isn't your friend anymore. He's really mad oh. at you. Like... <laughs> Oh, that- oh, I'm sorry, Stephen. I could have done that better. <laughs> it's really embarrassing to say it that way. Like, oh my gosh, am mm. I really that insecure? And that's honestly what I've been dealing with for like the last month or so is just mm. insecurity in, in podcasting. Because you So like mm. No Normal People is one podcast project that I run. I started that in January and it's mm-hmm. great. Wow, because has I it get not to- been a year? It yeah. will be in January, yeah. Yep. So I'm coming up oh, on a wow. year on that. And it's it's a great project and I've loved it. And for the most part, I don't do a ton of talking on the show itself. Like I get to showcase other people. Um, mm-hmm. But so starting Ravel and as we started getting feedback and reviews and comments and private messages with and people having bit, honestly legitimate critical takes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first couple I read just sent me into a spiral like, OK, just let me reconsider my budding career as a human being real quick be right back (laughs) (laughs) um and and it's something i'm i'm growing in uh this this conversation is timed so wildly perfectly for me i was reading romans 12 yesterday Mm. and uh it's like paul gives us 11 chapters kind of laying out his vision of the gospel i mean like josh you made a joke about it being the christian constitution an episode yeah, ago. Yeah. Um, and so Romans 12 is finally where he lands in, if this, then a Christian acts like this. Right. And there's, mm-hmm. there's this one peel off sentence that like stabbed me in a good way. And it was like, oh, there it is. That's your word for today, mm-hmm. Stephen. And he has a sentence in there basically saying, don't be too high in your opinion of yourself. Hmm. And so, of course, that was a a good message to preach to my heart yesterday morning when I read that and was like, okay, you have heard your entire life that pride is something you have to deal with. Hmm. A lot of self-confidence comes with pride. And honestly, I will tie this back to Enneagram saying, I think I get that from my wing two in the Enneagram. Two is uh, their... The two's called the helper, right? The two's called the helper, but they're they're like downfall sin. I forget exactly the language for it. There's oh, their vice is their pride. vice, uh-huh. yeah. And I think I pick that up in my my two wing as a one. Hmm. So I, I'm aware of the fact in this podcast uh, that I can definitely soapbox a lot, and I can also, in my unhealthy state, one's communication tends to become finger wagging preaching. 
instead of an okay. instead of an open-handed and more beckoning like come along the journey with me come this direction sure you know i well, i don't even mind the soapboxing actually i think i don't even want to steer away from that <laughs> i okay. like the soapboxing okay <laughs> like all right Stephen putting his stick in the mud and being like this is where i stand i think right. that's great but i okay. think it's interesting to me that we're running into a little bit of a an impasse when when you searching for external how did you put it i'm trying to think of the way you phrased it um, well, like external confirmation like yeah. kind of leads you to seek agreement and mm-hmm. me as a nine um as someone who like wants to see peace between people and like conflict resolution and like bridging the gap between views and like helping people see where they agree mm-hmm. more than they disagree i also end up seeking agreement but like for other reasons yeah <laughs> that's so true and I think that that like that coalescence between us is like what's getting us in that. So I I also want to thank you for this too because I personally really avoid conflict a lot. Like it is as difficult as it's been for you, Stephen. The last two weeks, I have also been racking my brain for the last two weeks, like not oh, no. knowing what to say. Oh like, no! Like how do I how do I tell Stephen to like not assume I agree with him? Sure. I don't know how to make that come off the right way. I don't want to offend him. Mm-hmm. I wow. I want him to be my friend. <laughs> oh wow! Like I almost have the opposite problem. That's so wild that we were having very similar internal dialogues. Yeah, very separate though, and like we were both trying to. We we both immediately went to how do I preserve the relationship? How do I protect? Oh, what totally, we already totally. Have? Mm-hmm. That's so wild to me. I think that right there though, just sign is a sign of a very good friendship. Like. This is not the best example, but it was the first one that came to my head. So when my husband and I were getting ready for our wedding, we wrote our own vows and we wrote them at different times, different rooms, Mm -hmm. you know, just completely separate. And my mom actually was the one that offered to like proofread it for us. And she read both of ours and she, you know, said, oh, yep, they're they're good, whatever. And the day of the wedding, we didn't realize literally there were parts word for word that we had both shared in our Whoa. vows to each other. Whoa. And this occurred That's not wild. just once, but multiple times that we had word for word the exact same phrases. And it was so interesting <laughs> to talk to my mom after the wedding to be like, did you know? Did you know that this had happened? And she's like, yeah, I read both of your vows. And you both said the same thing at multiple times. And it was just so crazy. But I think that just shows how strong of a relationship that you guys are able to share this wavelength of you want to preserve your friendship and like, you know, Josh doesn't want to enter into conflict and Steven's trying to not dig himself into this <laughs> self-loathing abyss of despair. But it's so <laughs> interesting that you guys are sharing the same central point of this angst towards this conversation. And it's not that bad. You know, this is nice. Mm. Yeah, I told I'm you it was going to be awful, Stephen. You did. But like I said, if you're going to criticize one and you give them warning, they're going to criticize themselves <laughs> way harder. <laughs> Hello, I, whoops. <laughs> I, like to, I like to draw uh, a picture of... So the best way I can say the experience of being an Enneagram 1 is in the last chapter of the book of Jonah, and God has mm. gifted the nice plant that gives me a ton of shade gives me comfort from the sun. Something in me is both the worm that kills the plant and also the withering (laughs) sun itself. Like there's something, there's something Mm. in me that is constantly burning like that. And if it's allowed Mm. to be exposed, it it can just, it it can just wither an otherwise, perfect uh. contemplative centered day you know it, like if if something tips uh. me off my center it's wild it's truly wild and my wife can attest to that she'll there are even like body language cues that she's been able to pick up on and she's like oh you're kind of dumping on yourself in your head right now aren't you it's whoa that's yes. interesting yes which is something i've never heard anyone relate to an inanimate object in the bible before that's super interesting Mm. 
Well, I guess the worm's not inanimate, but still, that's that's an interesting that is interesting relation. Sure. I guess I want to ask a couple questions about this too. Now okay. that we've like kind of laid the groundwork, and I want to hear from both of you on this because I feel like you're both going to have different thoughts on this. Number one, you're not the first one, Stephen. Certainly, to mistake my agreeableness for <laughs> agreement. I think I've had. I think I've encountered lots of people who have made this mistake with me. Um, and certainly with other people, like the fact that someone is listening to you and actively giving you attention can definitely seem like they're on board with what you're saying. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. It feels so, good. It's easy to interpret it that way. Right. Oh, very easy. Yeah. So I guess I want to ask, what's like, how can I improve in that? I guess what I'm asking is like, yes, how can I challenge you better ever? But like. How how can I also challenge other people who I think might be making the same mistake oh. just in like everyday conversation? Because like I, Stephen, I never do this. I never like speak up against people that are like assuming what I think about something and saying, I don't believe that because like you're not asking for my opinion. So you probably don't care what I think. Oh, oh, Josh, my friend, let me just right now <laughs> on the podcast and in public just permanently give you permission to say what you think. Cause essentially. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Me and Emily asking you to do this show with us was us handing you permission to say, let us know your opinion. Like the three of us. I know that. I know that. Right. I think you can know that, but until you get to freely exercise that, Mm. I I don't know if you're teaching your body that I think you, you might be getting stuck in your mind and like, you have the mental affirmation like, oh, yeah, I could I could stick up for myself. But then unless you do it and actually practice that muscle, I don't I don't know how easy that's going to come to you. So let, let mm, me just a good point. offer you that permission uh, to always do that. And I think this would be an interesting way to take it. You've used the word challenge a couple times. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's a mistake that nine struggle with making challenges and also being challenged. And yet true you share a wing to the Enneagram eight who is nicknamed the challenger. Yeah. Right. And, and there are aspects of your personality and aspects of the way Josh shows up in the world that you can, you can access some of that energy, like pick up some of Dixie's just wild. Like I don't give a Just pick that up well, and be like, hey, no, stop assuming what mm-hmm, I, because, right. because I do want to thank you for addressing the fact that yes, because we, I think it is actually a conscious assumption that I've made like, hey, he reads mm-hmm. Brian Zond and hey, he's read Richard Rohr or mm-hmm. he listens to the liturgists. Mm-hmm. He agrees with me. That is right. I, that is, that is not even subconscious. I've actually had mm-hmm. thoughts like. Josh and I are so on the same page and it's so cool to be mm. his friend because of it. But mm-hmm. but this is not the case. And this is an assumption I made because I feel, okay, so here's another Enneagram. One thing is I feel like I've discovered a truer way. Um, I'm trying to get away from dualism, which is, or like dual, dualistic, sure. true and false. Maybe like more, maybe like a more complete Complete is a good word for it. Yeah. Because Hmm. like an Enneagram one in an unhealthy space is just constantly concerned with righteousness and like what's right. And it becomes self-righteousness way too easy. Right. Hmm. It's like I have the inner critic that tells me I'm doing bad. And then I have another voice in me that's just going to defend myself and just uh, just go on wild excuse making ventures. Emily, I'm curious, how do you challenge yourself? Mm. to voice your opinion more slash I don't know I don't think it's just a matter of like standing up for what you believe in because like Christians love to talk about that right and I feel like that's a little bit different than what we're talking about here Mm -hmm. but like how do you how do you help yourself get past the people assuming you're on the same page with them oh that's a that's a good question um I guess one thing that I've and I have to thank my supervisor during my CPE unit, which CPE is the acronym for clinical pastoral education. Um, and oh. it's I served as a chaplain um, in Chicago for a year. And that was through that hmm. program. 
And my supervisor, um, during this program, she introduced the action reflection action model to me. And Mm. at first I thought I could only utilize that during encounters with patients or staff or parishioners. But I have found that I am able to incorporate that same model in dialogue with people. So the action Mm. in this case would be the conversation itself. And then in the midst of that action or in the midst of that conversation, reflecting internally, what is there something that's tugging on me, you know, whether Mm. positively or negatively? And why is that? And so I would then externally share that reflection. And then the action, Mm. the second piece of action would be people then sharing that dialogue based on the reflection. And so then if this conversation were to come up again, I would already have the tools that I need to enter into that dialogue fuller and maybe Mm -hmm. then push boundaries a bit as far as what I think or what the other person thinks. And so Mm. it's really, it's kind of a multitasking of processing internally. Why is this, you know, why am I stuck on this? Why is it on my heart? Whatever the case may be. And then being able to Mm. just share that and not just keep it within myself. And Mm. I found that I, over the last few years, especially, um, have been able to vocalize more, even if I don't have a solid understanding. So if you were to ask, oh, oh, Emily, how do you feel about legalizing marijuana or something? I could share, you know, oh, this is how I feel, but I may not have everything to back it up and being comfortable Mm. with saying that. I think that's one issue that people have is Mm. they feel they can only enter into a dialogue where it's, you know, pro or con or standing up for yourself if you have all the facts to back it up. But I have found that it's okay to not have all of that knowledge. You can say, I'm still learning about this. I just know Mm. that this is how I'm feeling and this is why I want to Mm. learn more about this topic or about Mm. whatever the case may be. And that in itself is a challenge for me to say, yeah, I want to learn more Mm. about this. Mm. I like that. I don't know why, but I feel like for me, it's really, it's easier for me to do that kind of like action, reflection, action step in dialogue when it's just about like philosophical things Mm. versus like, there's, I don't know what it is, but like for theology and like churchy kind of stuff, it's harder for me to like voice that like point of contention, mm-hmm. especially if I feel like the other side is being really exclusionary about something like mm, even even if it's about a topic like we talked about demons last episode, even if it's about a topic that I think is secondary, I like feel less likely to like make a fuss about it. And I think that's mm. all the more reason to make a fuss about it. Mm. In my opinion. How so? If it's a secondary thing, why would there be like more of a need to make a fuss about it? Because for all you know, like, yeah, the conversation is for right now just between the three of us. But for all you know, there may be someone else who may also feel that way. And if you Mm. if you don't shed light on that, then, Mm. you know, for some people, it may become secondary when it was a primary beforehand. So like, you know, so like sometimes our conversations can kind of help direct people to have a stronger understanding of what they believe because for some people and actually the demons and angels episode is a great example that's a topic where it is heavily addressed for some reason in modern christianity like that's like one of the first things that people think of and yet Mm. in my opinion i would say it is like a secondary topic but if people just believe it because that's what they were told and they don't engage in this conversation, even for some people, if it isn't a topic that they feel is worth discussing, they can then share their thoughts and then they can formulate for themselves, oh, yeah, like maybe I don't really need to believe as strongly mm. or I can actually formulate my own opinions because of this conversation rather than just blindly mm. believing in something and having actually no say in it whatsoever. That's a really good point. I didn't think about it like that. Actually, I'm glad that you kind of went that angle because I, uh, and you also brought up that both Stephen and I like gravitated towards the maintenance of a relationship. Mm -hmm. And 
how that's like a social factor in a disagreement and in most disagreements. Mm. Oh, um, sure. So here's here's a question I'm thinking about currently. In relationships, how do we gauge what is going to be worthwhile to have theological conflict over and challenge people things on versus what is not worthwhile? Mm. I think wow. for me, I think for me, the first thing that comes to mind is, is it life giving? Like is the is the challenging of the issue life giving? Yeah. Like, is it actually mm. going to feed you both spiritually or whomever to where mm. it is actually going to sow and grow and help you further in your relationship? Because if mm. it's not, then it's not to say you don't ever have conversations about it, but just know that, yeah, you can table this for another time. And mm. readdress it later. But if it's not really something that's going to be life-giving for the relationship or for you individually either, then, you know. Or for someone else, I think you could argue too. Like Same. Proverbs tells us to stand up for those who can't speak up for themselves. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But that's, I mean, maybe that's the pastor in me coming out. But if it's life-giving, mm. you know, that I've, I think is a very central point. Yeah. I've I've heard a a sliding scale analogy or... Uh, a tool offered in the past between doctrinally correct on one side and relationally warm on the other side. Hmm. And I've had quite a few conversations first, just about that approach with some of my dear friends who would, I don't know, be recognized as a lot more Christian than I am right now. Hmm. In terms of behavior in, well, in terms of behavior or common orthodox belief okay and i mean like emily and i talked about this in well it became episode two of ravel the conversation that that started it all i had a conversation with one of my friends who sat me down and we had a good conversation over coffee where Mm. i believe in love he confronted me on some of the issues he was seeing that i was putting up on facebook as far as uh, different theological points, um, like LGBTQ hmm. affirmation or Christian universalism. You know, we sat down and he was like, hey, I think there's a truth out there and I think you're looking for it, but I think you're missing it. Hmm. And I think you're going down the wrong path. And I think hmm. it would be easy for someone. Like, I, I legitimately thank God very often. To put it in that language, I, I thank God very often that I was in a very open and receptive place for that conversation and mm. willing to hear him. And that was one of those times where I, I could sense that the most loving thing to do in their paradigm was to challenge me. And at the same time, the most loving thing for me to do was be relationally warm and not double down on the challenge, you know? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I like that perspective too. Uh, you reminded me, I just watched this video last night by Bob the Tomato. Well, sort of Bob the Tomato. Um, <laughs> the guy who voices, the guy who used to voice Bob the Tomato, his name's Phil Fisher. Yeah. He was the guy who started VeggieTales. Yeah. He now does this project called The Holy Post. Yes. It's a podcast and a YouTube series. Um, but I watched his video on, it was basically the history of how we got to where we're at in American politics and its association with certain religious views. It's really fascinating. We can put a link to it in the show notes. Totally recommend it. It's really interesting. Okay. It's not too long. Um, But one of his points in there that he landed on was, he didn't get too political in this, so I I don't mean to go down this rabbit hole, but he made the point that Christianity is not reflected in either of the two parties in the American system. And in fact, it kind of like holds to like a paradoxical truth that like you have conservatives saying like, we need to hold on to what is good like that's all in the past and you have people who are more progressive saying like, no, the best is yet to come. Mm. And the Bible kind of tells us to do both, like cling to what is good. And we have hope down the road. Oh, it's kind of like a both. And, and I thought that was really fascinating. I've never heard that. Isn't that interesting? Yes. I know me neither. Thank you. I really like that. Yeah. Isn't that good? Yeah. And the fact that this episode is coming out the day after voting day in the u.s like we're recording this and we have no idea who's won oh like, my gosh i did when not people put are that listening together. to this yeah 
Isn't that interesting? Whoa. Um, when people are listening to this, they will know who won the presidency. So for those of you who thought the other person should have won, so sorry. Like, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, uh, we'll try again in four years. There you go. I have no idea who won. <laughs> um, but I, I really like that framework for being a biblical Christian in modern America and that we... Like we can have differing views on things um, and be represented by different types of politics, but we can still have this framework of cling to what is good and we have hope down the road in the future. Like we have both wow. because we're Christians. And to me, that really f- helps frame the conversation about like what what's good to make a fuss over? Like what do we make a point internally as Christians? Not even like talking about how religion relates to culture, but how do we internally like sess out whether or not we need to like really get down to the bone on what we think. Wow. Mm-hmm. My brain is putting together what you just said about conservatism as a philosophical project and progressivism. And my brain mm-hmm. just mapped doctrinally correct to conservatism and relationally warm to progressivism. Do you think that's a mm. fair move to make? Uh, it, uh, it might be a false equivalency. See, I'm getting better already. It, I think that's a false equivalency because I think to be theologically conservative is more in line with being orthodox. Mm. And that's more of a conversation about originalism, I think, which I think we should talk about sometime, versus I think progressive Christianity is... Like, I don't know exactly what it means to have progressive theology. I feel like there's a difference between that and having progressive politics as a Christian. Well, mm, yeah, I guess what I meant as a philosophical project is it, I think, a a common accusation levied against people who would find themselves to be more progressive, more left politically or theologically, I think a, a common critique i hear there is you're trying to let your feelings dictate too much and you're trying to affirm everyone and in that you're losing the correct doctrine whereas conservatively bent people would say no we have to hold to the doctrine i don't care if it hurts your feelings we actually there's there's important stuff here that we need to mm. make sure we don't lose. I guess that's what I was saying. I wasn't trying to map it on top sure. of party or or even... Wait, you know. yeah, maybe say it again. Maybe say it again so I can hear it again. So uh, people who find themselves, I'm going to say lower C conservative, um, sure, would find themselves sliding on the scale closer toward doctrinally correct, whereas people who by personality are more progressive would probably slide closer to relationally warm. Uh, no, I think I still disagree with that. I think they're both concerned with truth. Like I just listened to your, uh, whiskey bench episode, which actually, if any of you love hearing Steven's voice mm. and would like to hear him with another Steven <laughs> and another woman. Thank you. Cat Dwyer. They just started this podcast yes. called whiskey bench podcast. We'll put a link in the show notes as well. Cause it was a wonderful conversation. Oh, it was. You. Yeah. But you guys talked about like objective truth and like, I think both conservative and progressives, whether we're talking politically or theologically, I think they're both concerned with truth. Like you're right that this goes back to ideology Mm -hmm. and that on some level we have to figure out how to wrestle with different ideologies, Mm. even if it's not theology. Mm. But I think they're both concerned with truth. I don't think one is necessarily more loosey goosey than the other, even though they're often depicted that way. Yeah. For instance, Here's a good example. In that Holy Post video, Phil Vischer brought up the fact that, and this is factual data, this is not like interpretation, that black conservative Christians in America now almost always vote Democrat and for progressive issues. And they are, by definition, conservative. Mm. But they're not voting Republican. And so I think that that's th- that tension that I see makes me want to say no to your trying to equate the the warmly openness with progressive. Well, so mm. you bring up something if valid though, Josh, because I think culture has a lot to play at that as well. Oh, absolutely. I think we're limiting it to just these two finite factors and therefore equivalent. 
But like you had just said, black Christians typically tend to vote more democratic. There's a culture around that, you know, outside of the church. And so I think that is something to distinguish as well, because Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure there would be quite a number of white Christians who would not vote Democrat. Mm -hmm. But those that would, depending on where they live, the regions that they're in, may, you know, if they live in large metropolitan areas, they may, you know. And again, those are just things to consider. So this kind of leads me to another question also. How do we, or like, how, how should I frame this? What can we do to be aware of our own motivations in whether or not and how we express our heartfelt opinions? I don't love the word heartfelt, but I mean like the, the opinions that like you feel in your innermost core being. An integrated like, opinion, yeah. Yeah, oh, I like that actually, integrated opinion. But how do we also check our motivations? Because we were kind of talking about that at the beginning, Stephen, that like you and I each have this motivation when it comes to like seeking agreement and we're like coming at it from different motivations, but we're like ending up in this same, like <laughs> we're trying to get the other person to agree with us thing. Right. So like how do we become more aware of being consciously aware of our motivations when we're like trying to seek out these conflicts, however small or big they are. I think it would be important to, for me, so tools like the Enneagram, of course, are good, but ultimately what the Enneagram points us to is a rigorous practice of self-reflection and Mm -hmm. sometimes ugly time spent in your own head. I think a couple years ago, I was guilty of trying to so inundate my head with incoming knowledge that I wasn't Mm. allowing myself a lot of time to contemplatively sit or journal Mm. or process through writing a a blog essay or, or even learning how to podcast and start expressing myself with my voice. Uh, Uh at one point I was subscribed to 223 different podcasts. (laughs) What? Steven. And it was absurd. It was, I can say that I'm at less than a hundred now. Oh my. (laughs) But that's still a lot. Oh my. Uh, But I, I find daily time carved out explicitly for time reading scriptures, time filling a, a page in my journal, time to do some kind of like morning pages style writing where I just write on some scrap paper in the morning and then mm. throw it away when I'm done. Like the point of morning mm. pages is not to revisit it and turn it into an essay or turn it into like the beginnings of a book. It's literally just a stream of consciousness. I need to like wipe down the blackboard of my mind before we get going. And I think that self-reflection aided by whatever tool you want to use, Myers-Briggs, Enneagram, to get to know your personality. I think the deeper you go and and literally just start... It, for me, it's like I feel like I've discovered myself. And it also mm. feels like it has revealed to me that we get to, to a degree choose our own values and choose our motivations, Hmm. you know, or at least put some language to it so that you can get on a podcast where one of your friends, you're afraid of just like a cage match. And then you, (laughs) and then when he asks, you can say, you know, my motivation is like, I want to be right. And I want to preserve a relationship. Hmm. And I'm looking for affirmation because if someone else says I'm good, then I get to tell my inner critic to shut up because I'm constantly telling myself that I'm bad, you know? Mm. So mm-hmm. I, I think, I think self-reflection and intentional daily work around journaling or centering prayer, meditation, mm. that's how I would answer your question, Josh. I like that answer. What do you think, Emily? I, oh my, I'm along the same boat as Steven, but I would also add, you know, and maybe it kind of comes back to this life-giving question um like just being honest with yourself and asking like what is the point mm-hmm. and and knowing that if you can't answer that question that that is also okay but i think yeah just being honest with yourself and taking time and intentional time that's the other thing i think that is crucial is yes we have 24 hours in a day 
But how much of that time is actually intentionally spent doing something that you like? Mm. And I think if we approach that, if we approach it with the same mentality of how we're intentionally viewing ourselves, viewing how we see the world, viewing how we're processing information, are we intentional about that process? Are we intentional about wanting to learn and wanting to grow and wanting to be challenged or challenge others? Or is there Mm -hmm. something else motivating that? And if it's not centered around intentionality, then it's not Mm. it's really not Mm. worth that time because then it's just time wasted. Yeah. Wisdom doesn't happen by accident. Mm. Oh, I like that. Wisdom doesn't happen by accident. I actually like that both of you brought those things up because I literally put in my notes that like because I was writing out pretty much my motivation for like why I want to talk to Steven about this on the show. And I literally wrote down that for me, it takes practice and safety to address conflict head on. Like I need those two things wow. both hand in hand. Oh, and I love that both of you brought those up. <laughs> See, Josh, There's that wavelength again. There's that wavelength. I love this, Josh, too. I think the the safety aspect is another one of those mm-hmm. things, you know, where I gave you permission to flex that eight wing a little bit, the challenger in you. I think yeah. The more you do it, the more you learn that you're a lot safer than you initially mm-hmm. think you are. Right? Like th- right. the space we create here recording Ravel is a lot safer for you to push back and voice your opinions and and make sure that I'm not just interpreting <laughs> your agreeableness mm-hmm. as agreement. Mm-hmm. Right? I because wanna, that's yeah. that's going to be my natural inclination be like, "Oh, well, he's not saying anything, so let's just keep going." And I think that's <laughs> some of my one energy too. It's like, "Hey, if if we're not going to fight, mm-hmm. let's just keep going then." Right? But I want to <laughs> challenge the word safe. Um and this is actually something oh, at least okay. in my church that we've been exploring um and maybe this mm. in itself can be an entire differently conversation. Um but the word safe, so like a safe space Uh does not always actually mean that it's safe. And some people have brought up that Mm. the word safe means that it's just comfortable or kind of lukewarm. Um, And so Mm. when we're so let's say I'm having like a committee meeting and we're going to be addressing some serious topics. So instead of saying, oh, this is a safe space to share, we say this is a brave space to share. Oh. Oh, it's kind of giving you. It's kind of giving you that step up to say, like, yeah, I am going to be challenged or I'm going to challenge others or like, yes, Mm. I am going to expand past my own boundaries of comfort because there are just times where you can't be safe in conversation. Mm. Like sometimes you need to be the one to stand out and to say, hey, this isn't right, because some safe conversations Mm. would allow the status quo to just linger Whereas someone brave would be able to say, hey, no, this can't continue. And so that was someone that had shared that with mm. me. And I said, I really enjoy that. So this is that's good. how we start all our committee meetings is by saying, this isn't a safe space. This is a brave space. Like you are safe in Whoa. the space, but this isn't a safe space to where we can just allow things to linger or not be challenged. This is, yeah, so. this is good Whoa. to acknowledge. I think I think safe, brave spaces don't necessarily drop risk to zero percent exactly would you would you permit me Mm. to say that possibly one of the bravest and safest places on the planet is possibly inside an operation room like if you're going to go into a surgery Mm. you're going you're going into a safe place because they've created an atmosphere that's all about health that's all about making sure that you come out of there alive making sure Sure. that you come out of there healthier than when you entered yeah but it's still risky Oh, absolutely. What do you Plus, think you bring about? up a good point, Emily, that I don't think the Christian life calls us to safety. No. Oh, absolutely oh, not. So Jesus. Good. Like Jesus talks all about like people will hate you. I was going to say. <laughs> like you're going to have to leave your family. Jesus was a perfect example of that. Like literally him as a person mm. was an, a perfect example of that. Mm. Especially because he was ridiculed by religious leaders and even members of his community did not like him. and. Hmm. The fact that he still continued on and did what he did, that wasn't safe at all. Like he for all we know, he honestly I mean he got killed for he, it. He I mean, right. That was the end that was the end price, but he could have died a lot sooner. Mm. And he could have mm. died. Wow. I mean, granted, 
crucifixion is like the worst way to die, but he could have died in more gruesome manners, I feel like, like being stoned well, to death. people tried to stone Jesus at least once that we know right. of, right? Or did it happen multiple times? Well, at least once for sure. There might be a couple others, though. So creating a safe, brave, risky place. No, not safe. Not safe. Well, I'm okay still using the word safe, but as long as we oh. append brave, or at least incorporate brave into the definition. Because uh, there, there is a sense of... Well, what do you think about the word trust? Like, I feel like that's kind of what Emily's getting at. Like, this oh. is a trusting oh, absolutely. space, and that's why we can be brave. Like, okay. that's why I feel like I can bring this up in the show, because, like, mm-hmm. we've already agreed that we want this to be exploratory and not echo chambery. Oh, yeah. and I know. I and know. so, therefore, that makes me feel safe. <laughs> and you also know that when you, when you f- feel brave enough to bring up a challenge, you know there are people behind their headphones like, yes, finally, Steven, put in his place. <laughs> It only took of the 10 episodes. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. <laughs> I like trust. I we, we talked about this for quite a few episodes while we were talking about what building a community looks like. And it, it really is. Right. There's a trust factor there. We have to know that we're going to go in and come out of that space different as a person uh, following right. our conversation or following even just like going out to get coffee. If there's that trust factor there, you you can trust that there's going to be a benefit somewhere. There's going to be a something you can look back on and be like, man, that fed my soul today. You know what's bothering mm. me? What's that? Oh, no, I don't. So I was you were just talking about the word trust. And then earlier we were talking about, you know, people seeking out truth. I don't like mm-hmm. how the words true, trust and truth are also similar, but they the meanings behind them actually have no relation to each other whatsoever because I could, mm. I could have trust in someone that they're going to be true to me, but there's no truth behind that. Well, faith is another word for it, isn't it? Well, Emily, are you kind of getting at how you mentioned earlier that you think it's okay for you to express how you feel about something without having the facts to back it up in the moment? Yeah. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Well, it's, I don't, I don't feel like I'm necessarily like, trusting in truth here i feel like i'm trusting in what we're building and i feel like that's a little different like i'm like trusting in the relationship but isn't that leaning towards truth i guess yeah i guess if i'm like wanting to speak up about something i guess that's still me leaning towards seeking truth right yeah so where do you see the like the conflict in that can you trust in something or someone and not seek truth Oh, I think I see what you're saying now. Say more. And I, the, the, I'm I'm processing as I'm speaking. I'm I'm just thinking about how it's easy for people to say that they trust in someone, whether it be oh, so. Let's say an operation room. Then you trust you uh-huh. trust in the surgeon to to do their job to perform the operation and everything will go well. But is what they're doing as the surgeon or as the nurses? Are they seeking towards, you know, just getting the patient off the table or do they, you know, do you hope that they're going to go kind of above and beyond for the actual well-being mm. of the patient rather than just saying, yep, we got it done. Let's move on with our day because mm. there's a truth behind, yes, we're going to perform this operation, but there's an even larger truth behind we're going to do this operation so the person doesn't have to come back ever again. Because I think those can be mm. different. I, I think I see what you're saying now. I feel like what you're getting at is like being too short-sighted sometimes yeah. in our pursuit of truth. Yeah. I, is that kind of what you're getting yeah, at? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I guess that's where I'm like coming from with the question of like, how do we choose our battles? Like, because some things, I think some, for some topics, some people are exhausted about talking about. They're, they're exhausted about trying to explain a different viewpoint about something that's happening when they feel like it's been a part of the conversation forever and people just need to do their own work and not mm-hmm. have you explain it to them again. Yeah. Because I think that's a real thing, but yeah, I guess that's like my biggest question in like, how do we choose? Because like, how do we decide what's short-sighted and what's like really needed in the long term? Mm-hmm. Like, how do we decide in our surgery oh, we actually need to make this incision here and take this out while we're here 
because otherwise they're just going to have to come back to us later. Yeah. And to be honest, I don't know. Like, I don't know other than exploring these conversations and working at myself bit by bit and trying to check my motivations and like slowly parsing out how to disagree with people better. Like, I don't know any other way. So if you have any, please get at me. (laughs) Yeah. Follow us and uh, send us messages on what you would do. (laughs) Help us out here, people. Yeah. Is faith another word we could insert for truth here? Would that change the conversation at all? Because that's kind of what it sounds like. You know, the definition of truth offered or definition of faith offered to us in Hebrew is, you know, hope in things we cannot see. So Mm -hmm. this this seems like a case. Entirely different word. I agree, but it's used in the text as a definer for what faith is. So can we really mm-hmm. ravel those out too far or, or, or are they paired too closely? I don't want to say too closely. I think they are paired. I think to trust something is to have faith in something and it's to hope for the best outcome or to hope for the type of surgeon who is not only looking out to have a positive outcome so that his, uh, you know, death to surgery ratio doesn't get too big. Mm. You know, we, we have mm. hope that we get the kind of surgeon that will not only keep the patient on the table in mind, but also her children and also her yeah. nieces and nephews, right? Like he's, the surgeon is taking in the whole picture and uh, like we certainly see versions of that in different dramatized shows of hospitals Grey's Anatomy being one Mm. right like there's (laughs) well so okay here's a thought for me at least when I think of the word trust it's it's based largely on like there's that there's evidence that something is real like we can trust so you need a foundation to trust Yeah. whereas faith you don't Mm. faith is it's the substance of hope Hmm. And that's why, like, that's why when you use the definition of faith and you're using the Hebrew definition, the word hope is in there intentionally because you can have hope Hmm. in something, but there would be no foundation for it either. Whereas trust, like, you have to trust because there is something, like, there is a foundation, there's evidence to help inform that trust. Whereas faith... I think there's a context inside the New Testament, though, that would make hope more concrete. You know, listen to Paul talk about the hope we have in our salvation in Christ. He's not he's mm. not basing that on a feeling he has that things are going to work out in the end. He's basing that on a very real encounter he had with the risen Christ in his vision. Mm. Right? So like I I I think the hope in the New Testament is a lot more it's a it's it's grittier. It has more weight to it. But that was also I, their I encounter. See, That's not but, our like that's true. This is speaking 2000 years mm. later and we're modern readers of this text and we're modern interpreters of what was happening at that time. Okay. And I think that's why faith is important because we are so distant from that experience and we have our own experiences of hope, mm. but there's no actual evidence. There's no actual solid foundation that's concrete and viable mm. and provable by more than just mm. one person. So then Whereas trust is takes very, it enough. Yeah. Trust yeah. takes it a next, the next step and says, here's something I can actually prop my ladder up against so I can start climbing. Well, yeah. So like the, a ladder is a good, so like I can trust in a ladder is going to help keep me, you know, level while I'm off the ground because there is, mm. there is proof that this ladder was built for that purpose. It has been used multiple times. You know what the function of that ladder is for. Mm-hmm. But you can have faith in those who made the ladder, but you have no evidence of anyone who made the ladder. Like you don't, you weren't there to witness it. You don't know what their intentions were. You don't, like you have no idea. But you can have faith in the people that made the ladder, but you have no evidence to back how it would, up. How would hope fit into the ladder analogy? Once you're on the ladder. You are hoping that you will remain on the ladder. <laughs> I hope this doesn't drop me. Okay, sure. It you know, weak. it's funny I know, that I know. Like, we ended up. Go- I know it's fine. It's fine. It's an analogy. It has its limits. It's funny though that we ended up going this direction in the conversation because I literally watched a sermon today from Miroslav Volf on hope, 
Mm. Like wow. he was talking like almost exactly along these lines, not in the same like context of what we're going for, but it was really interesting that we went this conversation route and I didn't take us there. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I thought that was kind of interesting. They say God works in mysterious ways. There you go. I think, Emily, it's we true. can claim trust in our community among the three of us here in the podcast because we've done the work to actually spell out a foundation for the three of us. We sure. actually have evidence right. of the things like we have Google Docs explaining our motivations for the podcast mm-hmm. and why we want to be here. And, you know, we have we have lines in that Google Doc saying, you know, we're here to explore. We're not here to be teachers. We don't have all the answers. Right. So we can right. trust that. And that's what mm. that's what Josh and I are drawing on when it comes to conflict and when it sure. comes to us being ready and being able to voice our disagreements. Right. And then to move it a step further, having faith in the conversations that we're going to have and how those will all unfold and hoping that we'll have positive outcomes towards growth and understanding. Oh, yeah. So it's like trust is uh, resting on something established either in the present or the past. And then faith and hope propels us into the future. Bingo. Oh, I like that. There we go. I like that hey, a lot. Hey, Josh, do you want to talk any about the feedback we've gotten about echo chamberiness? Or do you think that this episode serves as a... There's nothing specific that I don't think that we didn't, we haven't addressed since. Like, I think that some of that feedback that we got about, like, us sounding like we're all coming from the same perspective or we're, like, only one side of the conversation, mm. I think that that's part of what propelled me to want to do an episode like a this. A whole episode like, about it. This this episode was obviously way more meta than we usually are because it was mostly about us. So, <laughs> it's a podcast about so the sorry podcast. To everyone, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a podcast about the podcast. Sorry, um, not sorry. But, I mean, I, it honestly just propelled me to want to do something like this and address it head on instead of trying to nitpick people's feedback because, I mean, feedback is is valuable for sure and we can critique it all day if we wanted to. But like at the end of the day, if we're not going to talk about it amongst ourselves and openly and like orient ourselves to like have that faith and hope in like what kind of community we want to build, mm. then I think we're just like clattering symbols. Well, right. and I think <laughs> this goes beyond just the podcast. I think this is a good oh, yeah, conversation absolutely. to have in general for anyone who is struggling to share their beliefs or struggling to understand how to mm-hmm. communicate that. When is it appropriate? How is it appropriate? Can I be brave in this space with these people? I think Mm -hmm. this is this is good. I don't want to say education moment, but it's a good learning moment, I think, for a lot of people to come to grips with. Yeah, we can have these kinds of conversations and in these intentional spaces Mm -hmm. and know that it's okay. This is another Mm -hmm. good place to plug Josh's pinned tweet, his essay on disagreeing for dummies. I Oh yeah. Josh, oh, yeah. I've read it a couple times since we last plugged it. Have you? I really have. And I I've oh, learned from it. In fact, I read it earlier this morning in preparation for this podcast episode cuz I had no idea what you were <laughs> going to bring to me. <laughs> wow. That's really funny. You were teaching oh, me That's really about funny. how to handle you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny too? I was like thinking about this as we were talking. I like literally thought about that article because one of the things I put in there was like do anything you can over disagreeing over social media. And to be Mm. honest, that's like a personal call out. Like I did not used to have this much trouble with being conflict avoidant. I used to just be like the most know-it-all-y person, especially on social media. Like I would just get into these like long, ranty, awful debates with people. And Mm -hmm. like, it honestly took me way too long before I was like, you know what? I don't feel like this is life-giving. Like it's not life-giving to me. I don't know what I'm trying to prove. Like, yeah, I think these things are important, but like this, like that feels really different to me than mm-hmm. a podcast like this, where like we're yeah. obviously like a form of community together and we're doing something regularly. And I'm not just like trying to call out a stranger on the internet for thinking different than me. Sure. It's like a way different feel to me. Yeah. There's, there's the trust component. I feel like I've come a long way and I've like, I've like almost reversed the problem. <laughs> <laughs> like i'm less likely to call people out now no, oh wonderful no, we need it and honestly i i think this was valuable like we're modeling 
a way to revisit conversation or revisit our yeah. methods of conversation. And we're, we're putting it out on the internet where we can say, Hey, like this is a prime example of, you know, Steven sometimes doesn't know what he's talking about. And Steven sometimes makes, makes assumptions about what Josh believes that he's not allowed to mm-hmm. make those assumptions. So mm. let's talk about it. And now it's action, here. Reflection, like yeah. action. There you go. And I'm leaving with a much yeah. slower heart rate. <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Thank you for being patient with me. Oh. I, I appreciate it. Patience also, thank you for letting me like bring up a concept like this because it's honestly good for me to practice this. So mm, I appreciate mm-hmm. it. Uh, this, this is, is so good. This is really good. Thank you, my friend. Well, especially being the buffer if, uh, in between was nice because I really didn't have to buff out a whole lot. So ooh. this was this was nice. Yeah, there you go. And we all shared some insight. That's true. We did. I, yeah, I really liked how we like went down this like rabbit hole of hope. I feel like that was a good hope is always a good note. That was a good mm. combo. Um, if anyone's listening and they want to look up something that we've referenced in the episode, um, we'll have links to all of the things we referenced in the show notes. Mm-hmm. So whatever podcast player you're on, it'll be correct, there. including links to our friend Louis Zong, who gave us permission to use his song in full color off his album here as our theme music. It's fantastic. There's links to Spotify and Bandcamp and go find his stuff. It's amazing. Also, we would really appreciate it if you rated and reviewed us on um, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. It means a lot and it helps us get discovered by other people who want to be a part of this conversation. Mm hmm. Also, we post discussion questions on our social media feeds. So if you aren't following us, we are wherever you are on social media, most likely. I just want to say, well, first of all, along the lines of reviews, I used to not be an iPhone user, and it was very frustrating for me that I couldn't really find a platform to leave reviews. If you're an Android user like I used to be and want to give us a review, the best place to do that would be on our Facebook page. Secondly, Josh... I wanted to thank you for being the voice of at RavelPod on Twitter and Instagram. You're killing yes. that work, man. So if anybody engages mm. with the show itself, if you get a comment back from at RavelPod, it's Josh. I just wanted to let everyone Josh. know. Yeah. Hello, it me. I wanted <laughs> it me. I wanted to thank you uh, for running our social media, man. Keep it up. Emily, I hear tell that you're podcast sermon feed is going to be up soon. Could you tell us a little about that? Yes. So it has been suggested that I release my sermons podcast form. So I have members of my church who work our tech and sound booth at the church who are going to help me with my sermons on podcasts. So you'll be able to hear me. It'll be starting after Advent, hopefully, um, and it'll be released every Wednesday you'll get to hear sermons with Emily Reddinghouse. So there'll be a much catchier title, I promise. Um, but it'll be my sermons from the week before. So if you don't get a chance to go to church, if you're looking for a new pastor or you wanted to hear something more on your podcast, tune into my sermons. That'll be coming out here pretty soon. Fantastic. Thank you for this gift. Thank, thank God for this gift. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you for the correction. Love it. Emily, would you... Uh lead us out of this episode absolutely just know that we are in a brave space together we are holding on to trust as we lean into our faith and go forward in hope amen boom whoa i like that That oh my god beautiful i cried a little thank you oh thank you wow i didn't even